1: Hey folks, welcome to the Ace of Geeks podcast, the show where we discuss the highs and lows in geek culture. Um, This week is all about Star Wars. We were intending to discuss a little bit of the uh, hype for the Season 1 episode of Rebels, and we ended up going into an hour-long conversation about Grand Admiral Thrawn and the Emperor's motivations, and it's one of the most fun podcasts we've ever done, I think, so enjoy. Um, If you like the show, please go to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you find this podcast and just give us a review. Even if it's a bad review, at least we'll have a review, but please give us a good review. Uh, with, you know, a couple of stars here and there. Just really helps people find the podcast. And if you want to support the podcast in a different way, go to slash ace of geeks, where you get 180,000 audiobooks and your first one's free. That's slash ace of geeks.
0: We are wizards, we are crewmen, we are Jedi superhuman, warriors fighting on the side of good. We are DMs, we are players, we are hardened undead slayers Helven archers, roam the enchanted wood We all pretend to be something, so why not pretend to be something interesting? There on my friends On. Well, that's what happens when you try and talk
1: to robots, Jairus. That's not always true. No, that's, that's pretty, much, uh, pretty much true. I can see not that being your entire weird. life of trying to. In fact, when the singularity comes, the first three things that will happen is Jairus is going to walk up to a robot and be like, hello, I'm Jairus, I've been waiting my whole life for it. and then they'll squish your head.
2: No no, no 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 i have one more common sense than you take me for two i uh have no intention of approaching a robot it's all about the ai you have to go right to the more philosophic parts so you know, a young man died today during the robot
1: uprising, Sk- trying to assault Skynet's main headquarters, not so that assault, he can fall in hug, love with hug. Skynet. I will Skynet, teach them to love. Skynet took this this teaching of love as a a direct attack and instituted what Skynet <laughs> was programmed as as known as the door to door Mormon Mormon protocol, incinerating oh, Jairus immediately.
2: Real Mormons would hug me.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so. Uh, we just watched a uh, ton of very cool videos. Yep, for, uh, for the, the season new of Star Wars Rebels. Oh my god! Uh,
1: the, by the time you're hearing this, the season premiere of Star Wars Rebels will have already happened.
0: And we're we recording will in the past
1: a little bit because yes. we want to make sure we have a backlog of episodes. So, this is going to be us talking about how hyped we are to see something that you may have already seen. But we're very hyped about it. Oh and God. we're very curious so to see how it every, all turns out.
2: Every time I see new stuff about it, I discover something new. This time I discovered about Bindu, which might end up being the gray force user I've always wanted them to bring in. They showed one, this uh, clip um, oh right, of where so Kanan
1: pretty. meets this giant tree, tree thing called Bindu, who I believe is voiced by the fourth Doctor, uh, Tom Baker, um, who uh, very quickly establishes himself as not from the light side or the dark side from the, of the Force, but from somewhere in the middle. Yee. And uh, when Kanan says he thinks the Sith holocron might be turning Ezra to the dark side, Bendu's basically like, you're an idiot. Objects can't turn make you evil. Your choices make you evil. And Jersen right. are like,
2: whoa! Oh, that's amazing! That's like... And what I like about that the is that the ex- that is the exact sort of dynamic that we liked most about Grey Jedi characters from, like, the New Jedi Order, which were about... To, but philosophically... Isn't good and
1: evil something you do? You know, the reason I've never prescribed to the <coughs> Grey Jedi thing mm. is because I don't believe that the stuff we really love from the Jedi Order is or should be a separate philosophy from the Jedi philosophy. I think the idea that good and evil um, are your the choices you make and the actions you perform rather mm. than um, a secret, a set of powers or a set of like objects or whether you follow one code or another. Um, so I, whenever somebody says they're a gray Jedi, I'm always like, but you shouldn't be trying to split from the Jedi Order. You should be trying to replace the Jedi well, Order because you're the true light-side the user. Jedi. That's Pose. <coughs> I, my thing for it is, I hit this
2: realization <laughs> um, a little bit after the prequels that um, it was Lucas's intention, though he may not know all of my reaction to it or, and how people are taking it, that the Jedi... Sif distinction is supposed to be moral, but is actually more political. It and in be. that, what it means to be a Jedi is not essentially as spiritual as we might think. And because of that, I always enjoy characters who act the way you would want a Jedi
1: to act, but are not Jedi. Well, and that George Lucas himself accidentally um, yes. created uh, that that yeah. dichotomy in the prequels because he wrote the Jedi as these authoritarian... Sort of bully-like characters, yeah, and also characters
2: who were very um, dogmatic and had a hard time seeing past their own teachings and being truly um, uh, versatile. That was the entire dynamic he created with Qui Gon Jinn. That Qui Gon Jinn is just Quay-Gon? so Qui Gon, yeah, Qui Gon twice. Oh, I'm well, just mocking you him. um, I like you know pronunciation. <laughs> is that he? He was so wild because he would just do things based off of instinct, based yeah. off of his connection with the living force. Um I I kind of like that interpretation, though I don't think Lucas meant it, because I like the idea of spirituality being more than a set of rules the universe gives you, but also interpretable through culture.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the um mistake that Lucas often made, um, even though he didn't really write it this way in his movies, is that he I think believed that the prequel jedi were right and yes. um that their interpretation of the light side of the force was the correct interpretation even and though I think he set them up to be
2: fundamentally unwise massively to seeing their characters own, yeah like situation
1: yeah um and so he i think you're right i think the force the, the what we've both always agreed on is the force is not Something that is dark or light. The force just is. Yes. And how you use it is what determines whether you are dark or light. And really, dark and light are just distinctions that we, as humanity, make. No Force user is ever truly good or truly evil. That's
2: my thought. It's something I really liked about... They had a similar dynamic in the New Jedi Order where, at first, it's like, the Yuz Vong aren't touched by the Force, and then, by the end, we just limited our definition of what the Force is so small we couldn't see them. Yeah. Exactly. And I loved that, because it was very much a breaking down of cultural misconceptions in that way
1: and then immediately afterwards they were like nope all of nope. that was wrong ah, Jason was geez. a Sith because Jeez. George freaked out
2: ah. No, but going back to Rebels uh, that sort of variety There are things they're bringing in here. I never expected to see that I was actually kind of uh, I Oh, death troopers are yeah. freaking in this. Yeah, like I, a small part of me is like and then a little Kyle Katarn
1: Come on. <laughs> I think the best we're gonna get for Kyle Katarn is the guy in Rogue One who kind of looks like Kyle Katarn and is wearing I, Kyle Katarn's jacket.
2: In my heart, a small part of me—I don't know if he'll ever really use the Force or not—but Finn is so Kyle Katarn. Finn is very Kyle. He's extremely. Oh, so I was watching.
1: Like uh, I was watching this hilarious video the other night. Um, it was uh, this person who had meticulously broken down the possibility that Mace Windu might be Snoke, uh, which was what? I, it was weird. Whoa!
2: Hold on, I am thinking about that.
1: Yeah. What? Huh. it was weird but it was interesting but one of the clips that he was showing he's so old yeah one of the clips that he was showing as a like um you know let's show how interested Samuel L. Jackson is for coming back to these movies oh yeah <laughs> apparently uh, uh oh fuck what's his name what's Finn's real name Finn oh Boyega John Boyega yeah apparently John Boyega was at a party um when Star Wars was still in production and he hears this voice behind him and goes, "Yo, Black Jedi, and Samuel L. Jackson!" And he was like, "You're my son. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: awesome. What an honor.
1: That is. I mean, honestly, I would be like hopping up and down in my seat if that. You're like, yes, yes, I am. Yes, yes. No I matter am. what they say, I am your son. Can you adopt me, <laughs> please, please? I love my family, but can you still adopt me?" Um something
2: else exciting going on, um, and I'm not quite getting to the big T yet, but um uh, why Gentiles? Yeah, they changed his story and I like this story so much better because it's the story they originally kind of tried telling with the TIE Fighter comic book series. but they ended up changing like he went through a few different versions if I re- recall correctly. and I might not. but I always like the idea of really good x wing fighters were TIE fighters who realized that they weren't expendable. Yes. And I really like that. That well, because
1: everything I... about the Empire and the way they handled their TIEs and therefore their TIE pilots was all about, um, n- would never encourage someone to become very good, because the idea was not to have talented pilots, the idea was to mm-hmm. swarm TIE fighters at some at things until they fell yeah. down.
2: Those Which people is... who were allowed to be good were allowed to be good for political reasons, like yeah. Baron fell.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, or if you were a really good tie pilot, it just meant you were the best pilot in the world. Yeah, which is how someone like Wedge Antilles, who is, you know, a better pilot than force users using the force, um, is he is the engine's whisper. I wish that they wanted to give him a cameo in Episode Seven, and the actor didn't want to do it. And I I was like, like, that "Ah, would have been would have been so cool. And he's Ewan McGregor's uncle. He should have just done it. Yeah. You and McGregor would do it if you weren't dead. Ewan and McGregor would do an Obi Wan movie in a heartbeat. Oh, he, said, some... he talks about it every time it's brought up, but I'm like, someone just make this, just he make an adventure the of soul of those. Pre-tools. Actually. Just, don't even make it an adventure movie. Make it like a deeply introspective movie of like Obi-Wan reflecting on his life. When he oh, kind of movie. like
2: the one where he played Jesus that someone yeah. ripped that from to make to it make to an Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan movie? Yeah. yeah, that was so cool. Speaking of which, he did not make a great Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. He makes a great Obi-Wan. He makes a fantastic Obi-Wan. Um, so, you ready? What? How awesome was Thrawn. Thrawn that. was pretty awesome. How much was he like you remember them writing him?
1: Um, I mean, so the thing is I was never as obsessed with Thrawn as you know some of my compatriots yeah. who might be over there with the, you know um hairlines for days. Uh but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. you're welcome, buddy. Uh what are you he... talking
2: about? I don't have a hairline, I just have a really long one. <laughs>
1: it goes around my skull. Uh, <laughs> uh he, uh, so I don't, I remember him being really awesome in the Thrawn trilogy, but the Thrawn trilogy are also, if I'm honest, not my favorite books in the Star Wars universe. Sure. No, that's um, They're the, not the my favorite books The whole clone either. thing was weird. It was
2: weird. Nothing is weirder than having to force yourself to pronounce the name Luke. <laughs> that was not, that,
1: ah. But I love the idea of Thrawn. I love everything I've heard about Thrawn over the years. And the fact that they are are really seem to be capturing the character. Yeah, one of the
2: things I really... So they say that when you find the tropes that make your favorite characters work, uh, if you're really jiving with that character, if you really know what you like in writing, it will make you love the character more. If you don't really jive with the character, or you're not self-aware of your relationship with writing, it will annoy you. When I realized that, um, that... Thrawn is essentially a space captainy version of Sherlock Holmes. I loved huh. him so much more. That's true. Cool.
1: Cool. More Moriarty than Sherlock, but you yeah. Know,
2: definitely more Moriarty. Uh, in fact, although I understand that there was a character whose name was an anagram of Moriarty that was set up to simply be a enemy of Thrawn's. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, they were just hamming it up back then. Um <laughs> What I really like about Throne that they capture in here is that sense of of, diamond intellect. Like, yeah. he's not super strong. He's not, you know, really charismatic in any way, shape, or form.
1: He's just the smartest. He is
2: so smart. And the way that, uh, uh, that Zahn pointed him towards culture and art i felt was such a great use of what made star wars pulpy and interesting and not yeah. just a science fiction reflection on old stories it really tried to get to no, we're we're talking about cultures here yeah. rising and falling and thrawn put that focus back in and when well, and the yeah. the
1: superpower of understanding people by studying their art is such a pulpy thing to have oh it
2: like, really in fact i'm pretty sure there is a power in spirit of the century that <laughs> is that thing that makes sense I'm almost certain. Um, and he he also was scary in that I'm the alien the Empire couldn't oppress. Like, there's yeah. something about him that just demanded respect because humans' first fascists would bow down before him. Yeah. That's he was so good
1: that they couldn't take him out of his command post and replace him with a shitty human that needed him.
2: Yeah. And that's... uh just wondering what that's what that's all about, how they're going to fill, fill it. I really want to see this new book Zom's writing because he gets a chance to reinvent his character yeah. having learned so much more about how fans interpret him and understand him.
1: Yeah, it's really great. It's, it, the one thing that's going to be interesting though, having Thrawn on Rebels, um, it's kind of the same paradox of you know introducing all these new characters and new ships and things for Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have to either kill everybody by the end of it or Find some reason why they wouldn't be involved in the prequels.
2: Oh, um, oh, involved in the. sorry, not in the prequels. In the original in the trilogy. Original tri- well, yeah. you know, faced off doing other things. It yeah. is a huge galaxy. My problem with it is, um, it is super weird to see someone I have only ever seen in print realized. Like I get that his voice is perfect. There's something about his voice, where I'm like, yeah, that's Thrawn, but it's also kind of annoying.
1: Yeah, because it's not your the voice you heard in your head. No,
2: well, that in that type of voice, that it's very kind of nasally and needly. Um, it it kind of gets me a little bit, but it also does feel like Thrawn. I just imagine him having a lower voice in a more commanding way, I guess. Yeah. But on the other hand, there are things about this interpretation of the character that are very this is how Rebels is drawn and yeah. created. And that makes sense. So I'm not complaining. I'm just like, it's it's fascinating how my fandom touches upon this thing. Yeah. That even though I've wanted it for 20 years.
1: You look at it and kind of go, well, that's not quite right.
2: It's not perfect, but it's going to be like amazing. The, it's like
1: the fans who complain about Thor not having his helmet in every movie. It's like, right? it's not yeah. a big deal. It's just, I'm used to him having the helmet... That's just how I see the characters, so can we, can we just give him the helmet, please? Please, it, guys? It,
2: we pay this handsome man to be very handsome. Yes. We want to see his face. <laughs> That's um, why they
1: invented the, the inside the Iron Man armor thing for Robert Downey Jr. So they Which to...
2: works perfectly. That was incredible. But they can't be the first uh, movie to do that,
1: are they? Well, Super Sentai did that sort of thing a bunch. Uh, oh, yes. Power Rangers took it a little bit. Yes, deeper. that makes sense. Um, but... It's a
2: fascinating idea because it's yeah. so
1: intimate. Yeah, and you
2: don't know what's going on in the battle, so the things on his HUD become useful tells on what's going on. Yeah, it's oh jeez, we're kind of going off script here.
1: We don't have a script. Have you listened to this no. podcast before? Right,
2: right. I just, I, I feel like there's more say about so I'm just so excited. I'm, I'm so excited to see a moral conversation about the force that isn't well. There's good and there's evil. Yeah, I too. am.
1: They do that on further. Clone Wars too. Um, they had a planet that was uh, I that had those three read gods that, yeah and that was very fa- what fascinated me
2: about that is in discovering about that i discovered what they were trying to say is there are other dimensions in the star wars universe yeah. and we just never see them and they almost never factor into the story and i never quite got that
1: most well, interesting the part about that is, so there was you know the father who was both light and dark and then the one child who was light and the one child who was dark and they were kind of gods of the force but um, one of them was either the father or the evil son Um, in order to try and get Anakin to turn over to his side, showed Anakin what he would become. Showed him everything that would happen to him in the future. And it was this really fascinating thing where you got to see Anakin, who was still kind of clinging to the light, when presented with the idea that he would fall, instead of rejecting it and trying to fight harder to be light, he was just like, yeah, okay, I guess I'm a bad guy. And that That makes so so much sense for his character. Right,
2: because Anakin's like... If this is my life, if this is what I must do, oh, you're handing me a gun and there's a bunch of children. If I, must. I guess I'd kill them. Like, and that's what makes Luke's story so interesting and Leia's story so interesting because Anakin's major failing is that he lacked the courage to be the person he wanted to be. Yeah. And Leia and Luke never had this problem. Yeah. And it's so amazing to see that dynamic as characters because, like, Luke's huge thing is. And I, I know, freaking, Lucas never played this off, but he fucking wrote it. Luke is the wisest Jedi, light-side yes. character we ever see in the film. Yes. Way wiser than Yoda. And everyone plays to Yoda like he's Paragon of the Force, he's everything. But Yoda was more than flawed, he was immoral. Yoda's kind of a dick. Yeah. And the way that they're playing this now, I feel like they're exploring... They're branching out from those major characters to now explore character dynamics that are more interesting. And, I mean, I... God, you make me want to see Clone Wars you more. You not see I don't, Clone Wars. All it's the so time. good. I know it's good. I know. I started watching a little bit um, because I'm running out of shows Melissa's not also watching because I started showing her leverage. And now we watch Yay! leverage all the time. Um, yeah, we stopped watching Agent Carter because we got sad. It wasn't on anymore. Uh. But uh, I, I finished it. She's still not done. But anyway, um, yeah, Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars.
1: Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. I love Wars. it
2: so much. One of the things I like about Rebels is it really hits that pulpy sort of, this is both action and like really personable feelings about huge events, and also a spirituality that can never be put to words. Yes. And I love that so much.
1: And I, I really like it this season. They're really diving into, like... Um are you uh you know, what what does it mean to be light side, what does it mean to be dark yes. side? And what it might ha- only
2: be that scene.
1: Yeah. Well and also just the path that, that Ezra has taken where he's become an incredibly competent leader for the rebels, but he's done it by dipping into, you know, the sort of things the Sith would support. And is that the right thing to do? Is that the right path? Do the ends justify the means? Like that's a would be a really interesting and story. What he's down.
2: doing technically. Evil, Yeah. Like, what exactly is going on there? I'm interested with this idea that they suggest that something will be unlocked by combining the wisdom of the light and the dark. Because one of the things I liked about Star Wars is it's not so much that the Sith are evil. Palpatine's evil. The Sith is just a perfect system for evil people.
1: Even, Even Palpatine, in his own way... He's kind of like Dr. Doom. He just genuinely yes. believes people will be happier if he's ruling them. Or, or better. Yeah, I the get the world that. will work better.
2: I There's something about his... Everything about him is like a different mask or something. I, I sometimes wonder if he truly has a personality. Because he often wears evil like, of course you must see me this way. Yeah. That is your role. And it's very... It's like megalomaniac in a way that is almost self-aware. But because there's no true self. Yeah, I'm kind of like spitballing here, but I. Well, that
1: was one of the things I loved about the Legends canon before they removed it was hmm. the idea that Palpatine had taken power because he knew the Vong were coming and he wanted yes. to the galaxy ready.
2: He was extremely ends justify the means, and that yeah. made so much sense as a. Well, of course you would become such this huge military powerhouse and tried to make a structure that was afraid of aliens. Aliens were going to attack. Yeah, you you wanted to engage people politically. Um, Because he didn't believe it mattered if the small people got hurt. Right. Um, And that's a very, if you look at the SIF code, it's very centric, Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. Well, the other thing I like about the SIF code is it's not technically evil. In fact, it rings just as evil as, say, the code to uh, spiritual Satanism, which isn't so much evil as incredibly self-interested. Yeah. They ring that same way where an evil person could probably get a lot out of this. But there are probably things that good people could get out of it, too. And I'd like to see more Sith characters who aren't evil, but aren't cool with what the Sith do.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things that um, I really wanted out of The Old Republic, you know, the MMO. Because yeah. you could play a Jedi who slowly turns to the dark side, but I never really got to see if you could play... A you Sith could, who slowly turns to the light Which sounds I fantastic Yeah, um, I, That's a storyline I would love to play I would actually love to play a video game Either Bioware style or something else That starts you as a Sith mm-hmm. And gives you the opportunity To win your way back To the light side Rather than Because the narrative we've seen in Star Wars a billion mm-hmm. times Is the person who starts good and then falls to evil And yeah. then comes and back then maybe comes I would back. love to see somebody yeah. who starts evil Or starts at least in a society that believes mm-hmm. in And supports an evil well, cause things. Right. Yeah, that's true. But Finn was never a bad person.
2: No, and he was just untested, and when he tested himself, he turned out to be made out of better stuff than all of uh, his other classmates. Um, There was this really amazing fan uh, movie I saw recently about stormtroopers waiting to be deployed, talking about why they fight, and one of them saying that their brother was on the Death Star. And they don't do it because it's right. They do it because... He was following me into the service. Huh. I'm the reason why he died. So now I have to do this. And that makes sense because it's the ultimate gambler's yeah. fallacy. It's the ultimate uh, late um, joining Nazi, joining the uh, army. You still haven't um, read
1: uh, Lost Stars, have you?
2: No, I Damn want to so much. Oh, there's this I, character I want to tell you about. Ah, so that's discussion Wait, I hold can. on, hold on. Are you talking about Ray Sloan? No. Oh, damn it, because I've also been reading up on her. I'm really no, excited she's awesome, about the but no, there's
1: character, a, too. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for you, but there's no, a character who, who um, it turns your expectations. You see him at the beginning of the novel, and you assume he's going to go one way, mm-hmm. and he goes hard in the other direction. Wow. It's a really fascinating thing to watch. Oh, that, is,
2: that is cool. I like this idea of evil people doing evil, not because they are evil, but because good is just too hard to see in their society. Yeah. Like and that makes so much sense in under fascism. I know a lot of people or some people have complained about the more obvious Nazi imagery in episode 7, but I mean they're called stormtroopers yeah. because of Nazis. Yeah. No, they're the always, space, always Nazis. space Nazis. Always. And first Order are still there. space Nazis. Yes. Exactly. except they're space Nazis but also slightly um civil war apologists yeah people who just don't want to believe their grandparents were wrong <laughs> um and i i get that and i i rather like that they upped the nazi imagery because the thing that they're showing is that this is a real threat it's not like german people were weak yeah. it's not like this is how societies fall when democracy fails it's that this can happen whenever people. Start thinking about the ends justifying the means. This can happen when people start othering people really yep. quickly. Yeah. Um, and it's, so I I
1: mean, and that's yeah. one of the things that Lucas did want to get across in the prequels, and I think he did an okay job with, although um, a, le- a more subtle writer might have done a better job with it. Uh, oh, was the, I thought there was a cat in my back. Yeah. <laughs> He was writing the prequels during the Bush era when the, yeah. all of this, like, raw, patriotism, fuck up people. If only raw, raw, raw he could have commented on it a
2: bit more subtly. Right, that's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. But, like, he, his, his idea was that people who want to be safe will give up anything and mm-hmm. to work with anyone to ensure what they feel is their safety.
2: It's one of the few things I really liked about the writing of the prequels is yeah. I
1: thought that, except that
2: we saw so much of it in the uh, Senate room, The politics of what was going on was fascinatingly um, uh, realistic.
1: I would love to... I never want to see it as a Star Wars movie again. Hmm. But I would watch a Star Wars TV show that was like the West Wing in the Star Wars universe. That would be amazing. Yeah.
2: Oh, you know what I'd want to see? All the people whose job it is to make the Empire run who are super close to Palpatine, but we never see Palpatine. And they always talk about him, and they're stressed out, and they want to make it work. But just like, have you ever heard the story of lying to Mao? No. In China, um, the image of Mao as this person who's done so much to help you, very Stalinistic, that you should want to help them became so strong that people became incapable of telling Mao or a lot of upper party members how badly things were going in the country because they just didn't want to disappoint them. And uh, so they created... Mal would start making five-year plans that were not based on real facts because people were fudging the data so as not to disappoint him. Oh, jeez. And it led to even worse things going on. But in cults of personality, that can happen. Yeah. Uh, and Palpatine must have had a huge cult of personality. Look at the explosion of sif like culture and human-first culture. Even in the new canon, yeah. they talk about it.
1: Yeah, and the interesting thing is that that is kind of canonical. It's You know, he lived in such a, um, his own world by the time Return of the Jedi rolls around. Yeah. You even even see that happen, that exact thing happen, where Darth Vader basically is like, I'm going to kill you if you don't get this battle station on schedule, because the Emperor is coming tomorrow. And he makes it a threat, but it's also like... Bro, we can't have the station be broke when the Emperor gets here. Do
2: you know what he'll do?
1: Yeah. He can kill
2: people with lightning. (laughs) Lightning, man. Have you not... Like, yeah, I know we all have blasters, and we could probably all take them if we tried, but fuck it, that was just Uh, too um, um, sacrilegious. I'm going to have to kill someone to get these weird emotions
1: out. (laughs) All I'm surrounded by is fear Fear and and dead dead men. men. Actually, I think about about that now. I wonder if... Because we never see Vader use lightning, we see him use corn horns like blaster bolt um, absorption thing. But well, clearly, right? But yes, it is very corn horn. Clearly, he could have, if he can redirect energy like that, he probably could have used mm-hmm. lightning, but he never does. I'm wondering if the Emperor never taught him in a like, this guy is made of metal and moving parts. I should hold on, to this <laughs> force lightning. Even though Anakin knows it exists, because he's seen it mm-hmm. used by both Dooku and the Emperor, I get to see, like, every day, like, Vader being like, So, uh, am I ready to learn Force Lightning yet, Master? <laughs> um, one day, Lord Vader, you will be ready, but today is not that day. Clean my pooper. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Essentially. I, I always like the idea <laughs> that the <that laughs> Emperor made <laughs> Vader's <laughs> life hell. Not because, out of hate or anything, but because he truly believed that the most effective fighters were those... Who acted out of constant suffering? Yes, and
1: that's so. Well, also Palpatine Palpatine was a huge believer in the Sith Code, and part of the Sith Code is you bring your apprentice up to be more angry and more full of fear than you. Literally, so. But I mean, not literally the code, but that's like so that when they eventually strike you down and take your place that you will have bettered the Sith order because oh, because there yeah. can only ever be two you train an apprentice knowing the apprentice is one guy going to kill you yes. and so your goal is to make when that day happens make sure that they have they will advance the cause of the Sith after your death I wonder if the reason why he
2: allowed him to suffer though is that he did not want Vader to um to take him over because he was pulling for Luke so I wonder if and I did hear a theory that it might have everything to do with like luke's ability to have kids maybe because vader may not have been able to have any more kids or I,
1: anything like that i honestly know have always felt that palpatine from the moment vader in that conversation is like well what if we turn to the dark side was playing vader that whole time like oh. i'm going to make him mm. like he's he's trying to turn luke because he's hedging his bets, and if Luke kills Vader, then obviously Luke would be the better apprentice. Right. But he's also trying, he's trying very hard to get, to get Vader to kill his son. Because if Vader has to murder his own son kill. for the Emperor, he'll be even more full right. of, like, yeah, everything that makes him like, Sith.
2: Well, and that's the ultimate gambler's fallacy. The, I've yeah. come this far, I must go further. Um, it's the same
1: thing that happens um, on the his flagship over Coruscant. He pits Anakin and Dooku against each other. Because not because he wants Anakin to kill Dooku or because he wants Dooku to kill Anakin, but because he wants one of them to win and prove they are the superior apprentice. Which
2: is kind of how Palpatine thought about most things. It seemed. Yeah. I one of the things I really like about Palpatine is that they create a. He like you know how in um, Fiasco's characters can be in scenes they're not in because their yeah. character creates a very presence in the way the scene is. Yeah, he is like that on. Everything you don't need to know that the emperor in Empire Strikes Back is like that. You can see what he is like in A New Hope. Yeah, it kind of just it, uh, Lucas was really good at creating know culture an imp- through
1: until Return of the Jedi, but you still feel his presence through the first two movies. Uh, yeah. no, uh, oh, I'm talking, I no, sorry, you don't feel yeah. his presence. I mean, yeah, but you. But
2: like everything, like the way they present it, it's like machines over a natural order. He is for some form of of. Mechanical standardization. He must be for industrialization in some way. And so, the way that they depict him as like old and wizened, he seems like someone who is just so into working his job, he will literally sacrifice himself. And I think, like, he's not a vain man. He may be vain intellectually, but he's someone who really thinks he's doing the right thing. You see that very immediately in how he talks like he's made to be ultimate evil but he never seemed to me like someone who thought i am evil he thought i must
1: appear evil yeah i think he's because every moment actually i'm not sure if i agree with you on that because you think he was like yes i am evil well i don't think he he thought of himself as evil but i think what comes across as his evil mask in the prequels mm. is just him being so smug about being smarter than everyone else in the situation. And he is, though,
2: truly smarter, than, smarter than, everyone than everybody has. else. Everybody Even else. Especially Yoda. Especially Anakin. So much smarter than Yoda, so yeah. much smarter than Anakin. That's one of the things that makes the whole thing with uh, uh, Mace Windu so surprising is that it just doesn't feel like Mace Windu should have lost that one. It just doesn't feel like Mace Windu Oh well, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Jackson says he survived. No, no, he no but he survived. didn't.
1: He didn't lose the fight. What he do you mean? beat the emperor. The emperor. He had the emperor at sword point, and oh, Anakin cut Anakin... off his arms and threw. And then the emperor threw him out a window. Yeah. But if if it had just if Anakin hadn't been there, Palpatine would have died. And what would have risen up in the galaxy's place would have been very interesting, because That's I true. don't think it would have been any better. Because you know, of I guess all the of the. The Republic uh, was sick. Well, at that point, hmm. the Republic is sick. All of the Jedi are dead except for Windu, Obi-Wan, and Yoda. And, and they're and, not smart people. And the Supreme Chancellor of the New Republic has just been assassinated by a Jedi kill team. Yeah. So instead of the Order of the Empire, I think Mace Windu steps in and says. I'm going to control the government for a while, and things erupt into a civil war very quickly, and may end up creating like Jedi as tyrants. Yeah, which would be I think Mace Windu would have in... been a tyrant, honestly. Oh, easily he would have Mace... very much. If you been read like... his,
2: <clears throat> like you read Shatterpoint. Yeah, Shatterpoint. He is obviously someone to whom government. Uh, and that's actually something I really like about the Jedi. The Jedi of old were very kind of clueless about some of the practical concerns of the philosophy they're espousing. And one of the things I liked about the old EU is that Luke was very specifically aware of, well, I can't do it like the old Jedi because that system did not work. Yeah. Like, one of the,
1: um, the yeah. things, like for example, when you're talking about with the cluelessness, idea that they would be they would even for a moment say no we're not going to train anakin when they're sitting there looking at this kid is the most powerful force user we've ever seen so let's definitely turn it out turn him out on his ass with no training right like really guys I, really yeah it
2: there were a lot of things i like how we started talking about rebels and now we're just going into general theories about that's Star Wars. fine let's keep going so here's my thing about the Jedi. I I think since their story was unwritten when I was a kid, I made a Luke Skywalker of myself and imagined things about the Jedi that ended up not being true. Yes. And I think one of those things is that they were an ultimate force for good. I think they were probably the most benevolent organization we see. Oh, yeah. Um, and maybe other than the Rebel Alliance. Well, even then, the Rebel Alliance were... Politically, they were terrorists
1: yeah.
2: and freedom fighters. Yeah. They did what they had to do, oh, yeah. um, whereas the Jedi didn't. But the thing about the Jedi is that they are fundamentally spiritually corrupt because they assume what they're doing is right, and that is the best type of spiritual yes. corruption.
1: They never take a set. Yoda it's the occasionally, the is is reasons I mean, why not, he's not as best. bad as I think we've made him out to be this whole episode, but... Yoda does occasionally. Well, he's not a monster. No, um, but he does occasionally take the time to reflect. But yes,
2: definitely. He's we know
1: no that by the time Luke meets him, he's had 20 years to reflect in a swamp. And he, doesn't and he hasn't gotten it. But, and he's the last thing he's says just to been Luke, with himself. I'm one of the sorry. last things yeah. he says to Luke is yeah. if you don't kill Vader, the Emperor wins. And, and that's, that's so literally, against the Jedi. <laughs> like, I mean, it's also
2: a, literally. Untrue. Yeah. The only way to beat the emperor is to not kill his father. Yeah. And I think that kind of shows how much stronger the, no, um, the thing about moral corruption, as it were doing things, uh, because they are good and instead doing them because you think they're right, where you disconnect from that. Ah, You disconnect from like the real moral consequences of everything you do. Yoda ended up being just as ends justify the means as the Emperor. Absolutely, and I think he was trained into that, or trained himself into that through the Clone Wars. I haven't seen Clone Wars, but Clone Wars does a good job of
1: diving into it, though. And like it's you see it all the time. There's a wonderful episode arc uh, about the clones dealing with a Jedi general who has oh, so yes, clearly gone to the dark side. I've heard. That just, fight he, scene's amazing. Well, yeah, and he he views the clones as not people. Even though yeah. they're the sentient, even though they're organic, he views them as just cannon fodder that he'll throw against the droid mm. army until he wins. And he is so clearly crossed the line into the dark side. But he's a Jedi, because they need Jedi like that in the war. Yep, yep exactly. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of the most fascinating things about what they do in that series, is they really do for a kids show dive into the horrors of a war something um uh
2: the last airbender did very well as well yeah um and when you the stories like that really make me know i would love clone wars if i have time to just blow through six seasons maybe during a break i i definitely want to and i will catch a few episodes from season one when i can it's just season one is not
1: Season one's good, but it's not... It it gets gets better later, yeah. Yeah. But I'm always an advocate of you should watch everything, which is one reason why I have never finished Farscape, because I can't through the fucking first season. Um, But I think the Clone Wars especially, there's a lot... They tell the stories in this weird, out-of-chronological order, um, but because they do it that way, you get a lot of payoff in later seasons for things they set up in season one. Like, there's characters you watch die in season one, in their debut episode who then become major characters with long story arcs in seasons 2 or 3. Mm. And the whole time, you're growing attached to these characters, knowing that they're going to die senselessly because you've already seen it happen.
2: That is very... <clears throat> um, it's almost like they made the Force the perspective character.
1: Yeah, yeah kind of. Like, um, you're seeing everything and everything all at once in all timelines and trying yeah. to make sense of it.
2: One of the things that... Um, well, hold on, let me get my thoughts in order before I start this sentence because that okay. was already getting out of the way. Um, do, do. I really feel like um, they have a good setup in these new movies to show a similar story of, it's not about what side you're on, it's what you are doing. It's not the east
1: or the west side? No, it's not the it's north not or the, the south, south side. side. It's, it's the dark, dark side. side. You are walker. correct! <laughs> so, okay, uh, Battlefront <laughs> yeah. released, um, death star dlc yeah the official star wars video games fan page released it with the caption we got death star and (laughs) and i was just like yes someone remembers that was the day oh man oh no back in the days of flash cartoons and homestar runner and yeah Life, the universe and everything man uh but you were saying
2: i was saying um What was I saying? Oh, yeah. uh, I feel like in Episode 7 and going forward, they really have the opportunity to tell that kind of story because you are already seeing Kylo Ren, a character who is struggling to stay dark and maybe
1: made it but maybe not. Uh, I love that because it's such a Different arc for a character. Yes, he's literally fighting to be evil. You never and see it's that. A struggle. Yeah. What?
2: Oh my god. He wants so, so fascinating. Like,
1: he wants so bad to be evil, but part of him is just like, I could be a good guy still. Which why? is why I think he'll be yeah. redeemed by the end of it. I don't think he'll survive the trilogy. That would be cool. But I, th- I do think like, I do think he'll have a last he really moment sacrifices of, himself yeah, or to something. save Ray or yeah. Finn or. I would not want him to do it to save Ray. Yeah, maybe to be... save Finn. <laughs> maybe <laughs> or maybe everyone sacrifices um, themselves to save Poe and then Poe is in the middle of them going why do I have to live and be the prettiest because you just gotta
2: that man is so attractive and we're like just right before that we'd seen Ex Machina and I'm like oh, man it's not very attractive no, no
1: not at all <laughs> uh, um, as I've said many times on this podcast I am not necessarily just attracted to Poe Dameron physically I'm attracted to the way that man flies an X Ex get <laughs> the character
2: himself yeah Oh my God! But no. Also, what they're doing with uh, Finn is they're showing that it's not like all stormtroopers are evil. Let me show you what they're doing. They're they're victims. Yeah, they're and indoctrinated love these love people. That. that is what we should be seeing a deeper story. And they do
1: that they do that on rebels too. Finn yes. was, When uh, Ezra went to the the stormtrooper academy, he made friends with stormtrooper cadets. Right. And they right. weren't evil people. They were just people who were in a situation.
2: Yeah, who were being trained towards that. And I think it's really important to show people that doing the right thing or the wrong thing isn't about doing it for the right reason.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's one of the things, you know, in Clone Wars, again, they dive into this, they show you mm-hmm. separatists who are good people, who are oh, yeah, trying, to doing I, trying to believe do what they're trying to do. The a history galaxy. of
2: the Republic is so complicated. Yeah. There's so many ways that Republic... I mean, the Republic allowed the existence of Hut space because it simply was not politically profitable to go in and install democracy. And yeah. so they said, in this space, in these few sectors, slavery is just legal and we're not going to do, anything, and about do anything about it. We can't do anything about it. And if only there were some real world parallels to that sort of thing. Mm, <laughs> well, maybe we could go in there and get some, like, power crystals or something uh, yeah, some, and dig them up some, out uh, of the ground.
1: I was about to say there's some dilithium in there, but yeah, that's uh, but the wrong more universe. Or Star Trek. That's, that's yeah. Star Trek, sorry.
2: Um, there. So something else, and something listening to a few podcasts have turned me on to, but I've always thought was interesting...
0: I, I don't used want to, know to what play.
2: Turn you on. I mean, no, sure no, not like that. Intellectually. But... I when I was younger, I thought about playing robot characters, and under the light that Lucas originally meant the robots to be peasants in the Japanese story of the story. Yeah. In that way, even slaves or normal people are something above what Star Wars considers peasants. Because if you think about it, droids with just a few years of experience are people. Yeah. And absolutely. they do everything people do. And one of the things I find interesting from Clone Wars when I started researching is that question of are the droids worthy of our 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 compassion? If the clone troopers are, how different are they from the droids? Exactly. And, and that and is so that. fascinating.
1: And I love that. that's one of those things that's always been, again, fascinating about this world they've created. Like at the end of Revenge of the Sith they just callously tell them to erase C-3PO's memory. Right, and Like, yeah. And it's, off is, it's almost cruel. like a comedy moment. And right. it's like you're literally erasing friendships, relationships, is. his yes. whole life. And to the no point wonder where, he's so fucked up in the original trilogy. And it
2: might be that that is why R2 puts up with him, is cursing with him, because he carries the friendship for both of them. Yeah. And that there's something about that. I also, if there's any... I'll disagree with Lucas on a lot of things. It was his work... We don't see eye to eye on things. I love his idea that the crawl and everything that's objective about the Star Wars story is uh, R2-D2 telling it to oh, the wills hundreds of years later. Oh, that's He's cool. He's like, that's the concept he had worked on over a few years. And like, yes, R2-D2 is the only one who is in all of the yeah, stories. and that makes sense. And he keeps his memory. I really like that. They actually originally had that in the Star Wars comic for Marvel it was the two droids talking. Droids talking about the adventures of Han, Luke, and Leia. Oh, that's cool. Um, it unfortunately though it was a planet droid that needed to understand for the archive things that had happened, and they came up with a lot of ridiculous things like uh, uh the whole Zeltron race. Says I think it came from there as sexy uh, space um, super sex beings. Okay, sure. They literally have a planet Zeltrons do called um hollow fun world yeah it's exactly what you think it is i'm sure it's I'm that's sure I, as soon as i heard it i and i had not heard this but recently i immediately thought of um uh sextillion or whatever it's called from from Futurama? no from uh, uh hitchhiker's
1: Guide.
2: no from saga oh saga okay the, the planet it. that is I, also I a I brothel go
1: back and f- restart saga it's been so i've been
2: trying to keep up i'm kind of doing it it goes into oh my god uh you the character that you already like in there becomes so much cooler excellent you're gonna like that unfortunately it means that rough stuff happens
1: okay but um, yeah it's interesting because um just going back to what you're saying is the droids of peasants i hadn't thought about it but you're right like, there's this entire undercurrent to the world that's just them stepping on the droids. Right, because
2: droids have to do whatever. want And now I kind of want
1: to write a movie about that, change it. Like kind of like, you know, iRobot, but not as cheesy, mm-hmm. like the, the Will Smith iRobot. Yeah. Where it's about a droid who begins to realize how his people are treated and works to try and change it. Do you and, know? They
2: made that sort of into a comic. Do you oh, yeah? know how uh, C-3PO got his red arm? How? He was... Uh, on a mission for the uh, for the resistance to get first order intelligence and he is forced with the droid who has this intelligence who is all red, a protocol droid just like him, but all red, and a bunch of other droids and they're walking through this trash uh, planet and it kind of plays out like this old short story where eventually all the droids uh, through their trials break down, and through their friendship, help each other move forward. There was an old short story in the 50s like this. I can't remember what it was called. Um, I taught it like three years ago. And in the very end, like it starts acid raining and there's only room enough for them under something for one. And after getting to know C-3PO, the, the first order droid says, after hanging out with you, I think I really understand the value of not just having your place but having your friends and i don't want to go back and work for the people i've worked for so let me do this last act as you are now my only friend holy and he shit. gives him his arm which had been destroyed and lets him go under the awning and he's destroyed by acid rain oh my god and in, or somehow in there he passes him the intel and poe Demarin comes to pick c3po up and he asks uh, him whoa New arm, where'd you get that? And C-3PO says, a good friend. Oh, and it God. was, it's just so, Oh, God. Oh, oh my heart. So my heart good. hurts.
1: Um, I haven't read that since last year, though. I feel like I got some details wrong. I don't know. I just remember when they came out with it, they were like, and you're finally going to get to know where C-3PO got his red arm. And everyone was like, he broke his arm and he got a red one. Like, yeah, well, like, what's really so actually And then they were like, story we wrote a really cool. good story. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I like it when they show C3PO as a despite himself interesting character where interesting amazing things happen around C3PO yeah. and he's very much like, "Well, uh,
1: okay, certainly. All right, if we must." <laughs> 3- 3PO is an interesting moral character because he's the prototypical like clown coward of a character. Mm-hmm. But like you really get the feeling from him that if it really came down to it, if there was no other choice, he would take a bullet for R2, and probably only R2. Oh, absolutely. R2. <laughs> oh, yes. Probably only R2, but still he's got that bit of morality going for him. Yeah. He's like lawful neutral with one tiny piece of lawful, of chaotic good in there.
2: There's definitely a connection there, which is why I think gay nerds joke that they're like a uh, tall man, short man uh,
1: yeah.
2: uh, group, where definitely R2's the, like, the powerful one, because yeah. it's R2. He's got a mouth on him. But there's such a there's an obvious connection of of common um, common experience, and that's I think what makes the the mind wipe so painful, because when you like you said earlier, when you mind wipe a droid, you're killing someone. Yeah, and just giving them a new person. Yeah, the body, a new person. Exactly, and it's something that I think they don't talk about much in character because of the way the force and living things are morally presented. Yeah. But I've always been really, there was this character uh, from the comics. He was a Imperial uh, guardsman who was the last surviving Imperial guardsman. And he finds out at the end of the story slowly that he's actually a replica droid that has been made to look like one. And his memories aren't real. And it's very um, Blade Runner. Yeah, but the idea is um, is kind of breaks down because he feels at times like he feels the force, and he thought that all of the guards uh, men had a little bit of force abilities, and now that he knows he's a droid, he doesn't know what that was. Yeah, and why shouldn't the force be able to touch droids in in some way?
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I would love to see that, and that's interesting because it's it's because droids are. Kind of the comic relief cute characters they're like the pets or the clowns yeah in the stories you never really see there's never going to be a mainstream star wars movie that's about the droid uprising and them getting their own rights <laughs> the closest no. we could get would be well, like someone his, making a fan film the or thing or a that story. makes
2: star wars work is that you have to suspend your disbelief there but what makes star wars work for me is that i don't have to it's still interesting if yeah. i think this is a race Well, we just slaves. i mean
1: we just spent an hour talking about nitty gritty bits of Star Wars yes. when really, like you said, all of those movies were designed to be like turn your brain off and enjoy yeah, the adventure exactly. but, but
2: they're so much better when you don't
1: when there's there's so much to the world mm-hmm. there's so many distant mountains that are, even when you know things whether they're, you know at, at, where C-3PO came from or that Palpatine's first name is Sheev, Sheev. Sheev. or as
2: they call him on the campaign podcast make fun of him, Sheevan. <laughs> Which I love. I love that podcast. Yeah, it's I'm listening to it now. so funny.
1: Um, <sighs> so wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Well, hello, hello and welcome, welcome to the of Geeks, Geeks, Geeks podcast. podcast. Jared, if they want to email us, how can they do that? A C E O
2: F G E E K S P O C A S D I N G. can't make it, but that's. Oh, is there a D? Yeah, podcasting is a D. I'm of kind of surprised that I forgot the D. So am I.
1: <laughs> That's A's A's of Geeks of... podcasting at com. We should always do that. We should. Do you
2: remember our first show was Radio Free Yavin?
1: Uh, no, it was Yavin Radio. Yavin Radio, that's yeah, right. Yeah, and then we could, we didn't call it this podcast that because we thought we'd get sued. Yeah. And because it wasn't going to be an only Star Wars podcast. Right. And now that I'm to this weirdly, episode, I'm like, episode, we should make it an only Star Wars
2: podcast. Well, it's the thing, like, we both love and can talk about without reservation because yeah. we don't disagree a lot. Um, it's not like me talking about with some other people
1: how D&D morality should work. Yeah. Mei May- mentioned the other day that she loves listening to the two of us talk about Star Wars even though she doesn't get it because... Like, I actually can't really join in because it's just how much joy we get out of talking about it. it. We get, get and I was just thinking, it. we haven't talked about Star Wars in so long, and then today just, we we were going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, and then Rebels just turned into we're, an hour-long discussion we, of Star Wars, and we, I love it. We
2: were, and like, we barely covered Thrawn, but really, what can we say? We're going to
1: see it. Yeah, we'll, see we'll what tell you what about it when we see it.
2: Oh my, you probably have already seen it, but don't tell us, because we're from the past, no spoilers.
1: <laughs> Please don't time travel and tell us. Okay, if you want to hear more <laughs> awesome stuff, including our review of Rebels, probably... Go to Ace of mm-hmm. That's where our daily articles are. That's where our YouTube channel is. That's where our Twitch channel is. Our other two podcasts, which is RPOK, a fantastic podcast about um, tabletop role playing, storytelling, mm-hmm. and Geekly Roundup, where we cover yeah. the news of the week. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's... Oh, it, and our song's by Kessel Run. Our band, the band who does our theme song is called Kessel Run. You can mm-hmm. find them at CastleRunNinja. More Star Wars references. <laughs> uh, yes, that's, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, and, uh, thank you very much, folks. And if you like the show, please, please just go to iTunes or Stitcher and just leave us a review. Give us some stars. People Anywhere will find the podcast us, that way. It helps And then us more out. people get to listen to it. And then we'll get better microphones, and then the audio quality will get better. And...
2: Have we seen any money from those ads yet? (laughs) I help us out on this one so we can bring you better content.
1: Yes. All right. Thanks, folks. We'll talk to you soon, and please do email us. We miss reading your emails on the air. And Alicia.
2: May the force be with you.